Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. By the year 2050, the world's population of people aged 60 or older will double to 2.1 billion. The number of persons aged 80 or older is expected to triple between the years 2020 and 2050 to reach 426 million. According to the National Institute on Aging, the aging of our society will affect economic growth, work and retirement patterns, the ways families function, the ability of governments and communities to provide adequate resources for older adults, and the prevalence of chronic disease and disabilities. However, this also includes new protocols and medical criteria to treat older Americans and give them more options, including donation and transplantation. Hi, you're listening to episode 133 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. Recently, I met our guest, Charlene Johnson Boyd, as part of a committee to promote national minority donor awareness. Charlene is a lovely woman who knows from personal experience the roller coaster of needing a heart transplant and having limited options because of her age. Charlene was fortunate enough to find a transplant center willing to work with her, and I'm so happy she is here to share her story with us. Charlene, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me. Oh, you're so welcome, Colleen. I'm happy to do it. You were such a a hit at our event, and I just loved your speech. You were just so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll bring part of that up in a little bit. But for our listeners, can we go Mm -hmm. backwards and Mm -hmm. share your story about why you needed a heart Okay. I needed a heart transplant because I was diagnosed with end-stage heart failure in um, early 2020. And my efficacy at that time was 25%. Efficacy means that um, there wasn't sufficient blood flowing through my body to uh, accommodate me, which was mind-blowing. But we knew something was wrong because I could hardly walk anywhere without having to stop. Shortly after that, I, I received a left ventricular assistive device, which is an LVAD. That's an implant. And um, it wasn't as effective as neither I nor the, my team thought it would be. I was in and out of the hospital nine times in 2020. And we just tried to make do with what we had at that time because in, uh, in the area where I live, in uh, the Maryland, D.C. area, the cutoff age was seven. So we thought that the L band was my destination, and we would uh, we'd have to just go along and try to keep tweaking it. Yeah. Now I have talked with people who've had an L band for years and have lived yeah. uh, a semi-normal life on that, mm-hmm. but really, it sounds like that wasn't your best option. 
No, no, it wasn't. Because what they were saying, one thing was because my body cavity up in, around the heart was small and the pump just wasn't able to do its job. So, wow. Yeah. I will share, if you don't mind, that in a mm-hmm. couple of days, you're going to be 75 years old. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to. And happy birthday, first of all. But again, I think some people would be surprised that you were a candidate for transplant. How did that process go when they first started talking to you about a possible transplant? Well, I was at the clinic in D.C. and um, there was this doctor that came in, Dr. Rao. And he was new there, and he said he had been studying my case, and he felt like there there should be something else to be done to give me a better quality of life. And he knew about the age limits there, but he said he'd been checking in. He said, Cleveland Clinic has so many locations, and they um, they would be able they, they would be able to evaluate if I was a candidate for the heart transplant list. So he went on did some paperwork or whatever. Next thing I know, I'm getting a letter in the mail from the clinic here in, in Cleveland that uh, they were bringing me in for evaluation to see if I would be a good candidate. And as I think maybe four trips from Maryland to here over the course of two years is when I finally got on the transplant list as well as and then 11 months later, I got the heart, of course, but I was only, only on the transplant list for 11 months and the whole experience has been overwhelming in some ways, and in some ways it was just beautiful. I mean, it, the whole thing is just beautiful. Everybody has been so great. So you waited 11 months for uh-huh. the call. Right. And you did stay at the Transplant House of Cleveland when you were in town, which in, in itself is a beautiful experience. I'm so proud of that facility. But what was it like when they finally said that they have a heart for you? Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, it was 2.16 in the morning. And uh, I'd been asleep, but I woke up. And when I got the call, I knew it was from the clinic because it says unknown, I believe. And um, I answered it, and I was just blown away. I was so thankful. I was so grateful. And, and all I could say at the time, on the phone and off the phone, was just thank you, Lord, over and over, and over again. And when I finally came back down a little bit, I started calling my adult children and my son that lives right one street over from where I'm living now. I couldn't get an answer there. So then I called again and a friend of his called, went, went there actually to get him. So everybody was just so thankful, so, so thankful. And we were just saying how we were happy that the time had come. It was just great. And then I forgot, we're supposed to keep a bag packed at all times when you're on the list. I had yes. my bag on the pack. And the only thing I needed was to put a days of medication in, in my bag just in case of there's some delays or something. So at mm. that time, I, I, I grabbed my, my medicine and put it in the bag, and I was walking the floor until he came to pick me up, and we got on down to the hospital. We were about two hours early. Were you in Cleveland when you got the call? Yes. yes oh, that's yes. wonderful. Okay. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah and, you yeah. know, from the time that, Life Bank or whatever recovery agency recovers mm-hmm. that heart, we have about four mm-hmm. hours to get it yeah. from the donor to the transplant <laughs> recipient. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a whirlwind, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes, so yes. when were your recovery was was good? Oh, yes. My, I'm told my recovery was exceptionally good. Everybody kept telling me, you know, that you're doing so well so soon. And I, I didn't really understand uh, the gravity of that because so many people don't really have that. That happens. It's a long-term thing. And the only only thing I've encountered so far is the uh, side effects of some of the medications on the anti-rejection medication. But I'm told that that's going to come down and down and be less and less side effects as, as, as the time goes on. And and I think I can see that because a lot of my dosages are, are not as high as they were that I have to take. And um, it's just something that just really bothers them and they and I'm assured that it's going to go away. But other yeah. than that, I mean, my, my heart is doing wonderfully. Everybody says how, how strong a heart I have right now. Well, that's and, um, wonderful. That's yeah, wonderful. That's yeah. what we want. Charlene, do you know anything about your donor, where the heart came from? Yes, I, re- I gratefully received a letter from, from the family in May, I believe. And I was so thrilled to get that letter because so many people had told me that had had gone through the transplant, had not received any communication, and they've had theirs for like five to seven years. But for me to get that, I had my, my transplant in February, and then to hear from them in May, it was just miraculous. And I, I know that it was a young lady, very accomplished young lady, and uh, at the age of 28, and she wasn't sick or anything. Perfectly healthy. It was just a. It's so hard to think about people dying from choking, you know. And and it was really, really bittersweet because you know it, it was so it was so unexpected. You know, just having dinner and then next thing you know, you're in the hospital fighting for your life. But um, unfortunately, yeah. she didn't recover. Sometimes that that kind of haunts me, just thinking of her being so young and leaving this earth like that. But according to her parents and everybody, she had accomplished so much in her short time here. And then the other thing I just want to add is that uh, we had so much in common. Really? As far as, as far as things that we like to do, I like to bake. She liked to bake gardening, food, preparing, perfectly plated food for anybody at any meal. It didn't matter what the meal was, special occasion or not. And decorating. I mean, we just did so many things. So many things. How interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so obviously you've written back to the parents. Oh, yes, I did. I and did. do you keep in touch or is it just every so often? I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be a constant thing. Yeah. I really do. In the letter, the first letter I got, they also told me about um, the plans for her final resting place. They are going to put that together right there on their property. It's like a little memorial garden. Oh. Yeah, so they'll be spreading her ashes there. Wow. How special. Charlene, you know, being a mature woman, an older person receiving a heart transplant, Mm -hmm. um, what are you going to do with the second chance at life? My second chance at life right now is something that I've already decided on was to give back as much as I possibly can to communities that really like 
what I'm doing now. I wanted to be able to to speak to people and let them know uh, the, as much of the process as I possibly can. And it's, and it's uh, I guess it's like uh, don't count yourself out because of your age. Just 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 go with it and just be thankful and and do all you can to educate others about it. And I also I plan to go back into the school system as a volunteer because there's so many children I know that need individualized care, and I would really like to go back and do that and just just live every day, live every day like it was the last day. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's very yeah. sweet. You know, people may listen to this and say, you know, a 75-year-old woman um, Mm -hmm. received the heart of a young woman, 28 Mm -hmm. years old, and Mm -hmm. that seems a little off. It it could be off-putting for some people. What would you Mm -hmm. say to them? I would say to them, I felt a a bit like that as well when I I was first approached about the, the transplant if I should happen to get one from a younger person. And I, I felt some of those feelings, though some of those feelings did come back as bittersweet. But then I said, I wasn't in control of that. The numbers match, the health conditions match, and everything else, I mean, everything just was in a line. And just receiving, that, that just gave me extra energy. I can give back even more because um, of this young person that that was very healthy, very healthy. And I think it's a good point what you say. It's all about the numbers, right? I mean, this was, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, your donor was going to pass whether she was a donor or not. Not, yeah. Uh, And the numbers were so in your favor. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion. Mm -hmm. I, I just love your outlook on life. Charlene, as I mentioned earlier, we served on a committee together for National Minority Donor Awareness, and we had Uh a lovely event. And I just want to talk about that with you. What is your reason or why do you feel this is so important to educate, especially the Black community and minorities Uh in general, about Uh organ, eye, and tissue donation and the importance of that? Well, I think first of all, I think the disparity in numbers are higher in the in the minority populations, and, and and I really truly believe that a lot of that is because of the minority population does not trust the medical system to be fair. And but honestly, I don't think they've been given they don't have enough educational resources regarding donating in order for them to make a good decision about it. And a lot of people think that I'll never get one. Maybe another another race will get one, but I'll never get one. And I always make a habit of telling people that my donor was not did not look like me at all. You know, we are we are different races. It's just that the numbers matched up, same blood type, everything just matched perfectly. And my team made sure of this. They they sent someone there to to Florida to, to compare. Again, because they wanted to make sure it was the right fit. And then when they they came back and they said, it's the right fit. Even when I got in the operating room, my surgeon went back to look at it again. He came back out 
shouting, it's good, it's good to go. And we were all very, I mean, we were just over-enthused, everybody, so many people in there, you know, in, in, that, in that operating room. And you know, something really strange, well, not strange, I think it was just because of my faith, because I was calm. I didn't really feel anxious. I didn't feel the overwhelmingness that I had felt, but I was calm and ready. Well, that's a blessing right there. That's yeah, a blessing yeah, right yeah. there. So yeah. education, you feel, is the key, right? Uh, like I do. Yeah. What message would you give somebody who talked to you and say, well, mm-hmm. you're lucky you, you just happen to get one, mm-hmm. but I don't yeah. believe in it. What would you say? I would say, first of all, I don't, I don't believe in luck. I don't do it. wasn't lucky. It was um, ordained for me. And I, I don't look at the race issue at all. I feel like the numbers and your how you are in your stage of health has so much to do with it. I think those are the main things that everybody look at. Because when you go in for those evaluations, they're not just looking at, okay, she has a heart problem. They're looking at everything in your body, everything about you socially and your involvement with, with uh, people and your family support. Because they're looking for a good support after you because you can't do this journey by yourself for sure what you need afterwards and in between all through it and I just try to reassure them that my belief is it has nothing to do with being a minority it has to do with all the numbers matching up in your health situation beautiful I love that I love that that it's that clear cut I mean it really is yes Yes, Um, I believe that it's true. If it, if you, the numbers don't look good, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So right. regardless mm-hmm. of who you are. Exactly. Well, I was going to say, I just wanted to add one one more little thing. My father died from a my, myocardial infarction in, at the age of 54 back in 1975. And that almost tore me down. But anyway, we found out that he had been an organ donor. Wow. And his eyes, his tissues, and, uh, you know, from his eyes and everything enables somebody to, to see again. And we found that out when the recipient sent a letter to my mother. And that just changed my whole outlook on, on a, being an organ donor. So in the next few months, it was time for my license to be renewed. And I've been a hard donor to yeah. see it myself. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we honor your dad's decision or your mom's decision yeah. Um, yeah. to give the gift of sight. I mean, that's so important. Right. Yeah. It is. Right. And then how beautiful that you are a recipient of that same gift by someone right. else. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Charlene, I appreciate talking with you. And gosh, you're a ball of fire. And I'm just so happy that you are feeling better and you're ready to go out and and conquer the world with this new heart. So absolutely, (laughs) many, many more years of happiness and health and uh, enjoy that birthday, girl. (laughs) Yes, I will. I will. I will. Yes, and I'm just so happy to have met you, Colleen. It's It's been a blessing with the whole group. I mean, everybody's been so, so nice and and I just love Cleveland Clinic. I love I love all of you. I really, really do. Well, we love you. It was a fun committee and we're already talking about next year. So I'm excited. I'm yes, excited. Thank you, Charlene, so much. Okay. All right. Thank you for having me.
We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is depending on it.